is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. Forget about the crowd. It's the size of the school. Their fancy uniforms. And remember what got you here. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch because we know when we add up all those inches, that, that, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing. It's down to the wire with, 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 with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Oh, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday from now on from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. And Below the Mic will be aired live on Wednesday at 10 p.m. But uh, this will be the last show on Tuesdays. Uh, we we try to move the different, uh, I guess you could say, the different recruits Onto this show. Speedy had to go home to his family in Connecticut, so we moved the show from Monday to Tuesday for this week. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, you can call us at 631-965-4990 and download our app. All you have to do is go go to the iOS store, which is Apple, WWSRN, or you can go to Android, which is in the Play Store, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey, how was your weekend, man? It was awesome. It was great. Of course, to, great, it was. great to go back home again. Uh, my uncle came over too. I'm from my uh, from my mother's side of the family. It was the first time seeing him in a while too, because he's been really busy. He works as a, a, a post office uh, postman, so he's had to work a lot of extra hours because of this uh, this pandemic, and he hasn't gotten to see us. So it was great to just to see everybody. We played a lot of different games. We ate, we ate a ton. Yeah. <laughs> what else is new? And with yeah. you, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> we had, yeah, we had a, little, a lot of barbecue food for the the last uh, official day of summer. Right? I guess. All right, Speedy, I'm done. I'm done <laughs> listening to your food stories and everything that went over the weekend. But I, I had a good weekend. It was a great uh, holiday weekend. And now we move forward. The fall is now going to begin. We have the winter. We have football starting this week, which mm-hmm. we're going to get into the NFC East and the NFC West tonight. So we will go over that moving forward. We have two very special guests. At 1030, we'll be talking to Cincinnati football outside linebacker recruit Caleb Schmitz. And at 11.30, we'll be talking to Louisville tight end recruit Vic Mullen. So we have two recruits on the show, so stay tuned for that. We're very happy to be here at 10.30 at night. I do not like the EMT class that I'm in, but I did pass the two EMT class uh, test today, so that's a good sign, I guess. Uh, But I did want to get into hockey first. And over the last couple of days, a lot of Ranger fans do not want to give any of the Islanders or the Islanders organization any credit for what the Islanders did. Here's the problem with, I think, in New York, which is a huge problem, is the understanding on what New York team you're rooting for. And the Ranger fans, for some reason, don't want to give the Islanders any credit whatsoever for the fact that they went to the Eastern Conference Championship for the first time in 27 years. As a matter of fact, I went to a facility today, and I walked right in, and and a guy comes right over there to the door, the doorman, because you can't go in because of the whole COVID-19, and he tells me, well, you must have had a bad night. And I said, why? Oh, your team lost 8-2 to because I was wearing – 
a face protector with the Islander symbol on it. And it's so funny because he's a Ranger fan, and he has nothing good to say. And I asked him, I said, what makes, the, what makes it so good to be a Ranger fan right now? And he said, we got the number one pick. And I said, okay, you got the number one pick. Even if you get this kid, Alexis um, Lafreniere. Lafreniere. That doesn't mean that you're going to win. It doesn't mean that you're going to be good for the next 10 years because you have no defense. I don't want to hear about DeAndre Miller. I don't want to hear about your defense because you have none. And I don't want to hear about Adam Fox, who did nothing in the playoffs. And I don't want to hear about Truba, who you overpaid almost $8 million a year for. So everything that the Ranger fan thinks that they know, they absolutely have no idea. Now, did the Islanders play a good game yesterday? They didn't. But the Islanders played a very good, fantastic series against a very talented team like the Philadelphia Flyers, which was the number one seed going into this playoff um, round robin. Mm -hmm. Okay, So all the the attacks of the New York Islanders, they knocked off two very exciting and very good teams in the first two rounds. Now they're going against a team that obviously has just as much talent or better, probably more talent, and they have three guys that can be leading scorers on the New York Islander team if they played for the Islanders. Steven Stamkos, Komarov, and um, um, who's the other one? Kucherov. Kucherov, I mean, and who's the other one? And uh, and Braden Point. (laughs) Braden Point. So you got three guys that could score at will that could play for the Islanders as their number one offensive player on their first line. Mm-hmm. Okay, so did the Islanders play well yesterday? No, they got demolished. They got completely dominated defensively, offensively, uh, power play, penalty killing, everything, goaltending. They completely got dominated. But remember, it was the first game of the series. Now everybody calls the Islanders losers. They say, oh, uh, what are they going to do in the offseason? They haven't even been eliminated yet. They lost one game, and now everybody thinks that the Islanders are done. Yeah, and again, we've seen a lot of these high-scoring blowout performances from other teams in the postseason, too, and it doesn't always last forever. Scoring eight goals is a rarity, no matter how good your offense is. Tampa is the best, most talented offense in the league, and it's still going to be a hard thing to do to duplicate again. We saw the Avalanche do, what, six and then seven goals in a row, and then they struggled in the beginning of the series against Dallas, so it can happen. But again, the Islanders have to make their adjustments in order to do that, and obviously the goaltenders have to be better. I, I will say this. When, when, when it comes to being a fan of a team, I've never seen so many erotic, crazy, lunatic Ranger fans out here in New York because they are wishing that the Islanders get eliminated out of the Easter Conference Championship so they can stick it to the Islander fan. Well, we got the number one pick and you won nothing. Okay, here's the thing that Ranger fans need to understand. And I'm going to go right back to the Ranger fans because they make me so disgusted. And this is why out of all the sports here in New York and all the teams out of here in New York, the most disrespectful deluded, crazy fans out there here in New York is the New York Ranger fans that absolutely don't know what the hell they're talking about. And you could call the show right now and say whatever you want. 631-965-4990. You can call the show right now. I have no problem arguing my points against you stupid idiots. Okay? Because to think that the Islanders are not a better organization, a better-ran organization right now than the New York Rangers, is completely ridiculous. The Islanders have the best coach in the NHL. They have one of the best, most known, most uh, 
respected. Respected GMs in, in, in the NHL, in Lou Lamorello. And you talk about, well, you added Jay, uh, John Davidson, who took over for uh, as a president for, from a guy that, Glenn Sather, who really didn't even want the job anymore. Mm-hmm. That's Let's be honest, he didn't want the job anymore. And that's why he gave it up. And, and this organization as a whole, say whatever you want, the Rangers organization as a whole, they don't have any defense in their farm system except DeAndre Miller, who might not even be in the NHL for two years. Yeah, he's a, he's a prospect that was a uh, – he's a powerful guy. He's a big guy that can hit, but he's still very raw in other areas. And he's got a, he's definitely at least two years he has to grow. If everything goes right, it'll be two years. And, again, hopefully the Rangers at that point will get out of those bad contracts for Brendan Smith and Mark Stahl that's been hindering them being able to get money and get other defensive players, obviously outside of Truba, who they signed last offseason. So. Now, now, with the New York Islanders, the Islanders have a great future. You say whatever you want. They have Oliver Wallstrom. We've talked about him over and over again. Kiefer Bellows, another player that scored 22 goals in the AHL this year, played very well for the New York Islanders when he got called up, and he played six or seven games, and he had three points, played very well in a third line. Uh, they have Noah Dobson, who's going to be a star in this league. They have Bodie Wild, who's going to be a good player in this league. Do you want me to go on and on? They just brought in Sorokin, who is probably the best goaltending prospect in the NHL. But all the Ranger fans think that the Islanders don't have – they have to win now. They don't have a background. They don't have a, a future, which is ridiculous. Huh. If you look at the oldest players on the New York Islanders right now, it's probably – um, Boychuk, Boychuk, Nick Letty. And Nick Letty's what, 30, Nick 31? Only, no, I think he's only like 30. No, he's like 30, 31. Okay. Those are the oldest players yeah. on the team. And Komarov. Those are the oldest players on the team. Right. Besides that, the Islanders are under 20, under 30, which means they're a very young team and a very young franchise. You got guys like um, probably their best player in, in Barzell, who's 22 years old. Okay? 22. Uh, Bolivier, who... Who, who's another 22-year-old kid who looks like a good player. Uh, Bailey, who's only 29 years old. You go up and down. Brock Nelson, 28 years old. This is a young franchise. This is a young team. Were they expected to win, to win a, a Stanley Cup this year? No, they were not. They were a seventh seed. They barely made the playoffs. They had one of the worst second halves in, in, in hockey last uh, this past year. Uh, they lost Pellick in the middle of the season. Pellick came back from his Achilles, and he's played better. Now, the, the teams play better with Pellick in their defensive uh, defensive players that they have, in Pulak and, 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 and a Green yes. that they brought in, and all the different players that they have. I don't need you to correct me, Speedy, okay? I'll tell you this, and I'm so upset because I sit here every single show and every single time I go to a place and I'm wearing my Islanders uh, face protector. Oh, oh, the Islanders. When, when are the Islanders going to get eliminated? When's that? Why are there so many haters of the New York Islander organization? The Islanders have done nothing but good, been good citizens, good Samaritans here in New York. They've not had a home place to play in almost seven years. You're talking about the Nassau Coliseum that was completely taken down and then built back up, and now they're selling it again. The Barclays Center, they didn't even build the, the stadium for the Islanders. They built it for the Nets. And now, right. finally, they're going to have a team. They're going to they're have a place in the Belmont, which will be open next year, where they finally can pl- call a place home. And now all the Ranger fans want to take shots at the New York Islanders organization because they don't know what they're doing. Right. And how many teams outside of the Nationals who just won the World Series lose a player as good as Tavares and also do as well as they do right away. 
and two straight seasons they've done it as well. Doing it right away, won a playoff series last year, swept the Penguins, and now he got do even better this year. All right, Jeff, welcome to uh, Down to the Wire. How are we doing today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. Listen, I, I want to say this, and, and listen, all, all due respect to the Islanders. Very seriously, they're, very, they're, they're an up-and-coming team. They're good, okay? All due respect to them. The, the series is over. People are saying the series is over because the series is over. Tampa, it, Tampa just has too much firepower for the, for the Islanders to keep up. And, yes, they have a great coach, and, yes, they have some good young guys. Just keep in mind, the, the, the Lightning are doing all of this without Stamkos, too. There's, no, there's zero chance. That, that the Islanders can come back. The, the Lightning are that good. And, you know, the bigger story here is, you know, get used to this because this is how the NHL has set it up for uh, a really good Stanley Cup playoffs, which they have been, but really awful conference finals because of their new format. Well, I, again, I don't think this series is over because if the Islanders win tomorrow, it's 1-1 and it's not over. And what happens they if they won't. do? And if they do, what happens, Jeff? What are you going to say then, then? Then I guess the series will go five games. Yeah, but you're you're not giving the you're not giving the Islanders any credit whatsoever for what they did. I'm, I, and I'm who giving they went them credit. Through. I'm giving them. You're no, no, telling no, no. you're I, telling I, me I, that they don't have a, they don't have a chance in hell to win this series, which is complete. They don't. It's crazy to say that because to it's me, not, go ahead, finish up what you got to say. It, it's not crazy to say yeah, that. Yes, Tampa it is. is that good. The, 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 their back end has probably. The, the two best defensemen in the league in McDonough and Hedman is certainly the best defenseman. McDonough is not McDonough is not a top McDonough's defenseman. not the same defenseman. He's he was not with a the top Rangers. defenseman. No. What, what are you talking well, about? Well, he's also playing at half speed because he's hurt, but Hedman is by far the best defenseman sure. in the league. Yeah. He's Victor one Hedman's of them. Terrific. He's one he's one of them. He's not the best. Right? He's one of them. And 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 their top two lines are just deadly between Palat, Kalorn, uh, and if you ask, uh, and before before you say that, if you were to ask me who has the better defensive pair, first line defensive pairing out of the Islanders in the and, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, it would be the Islanders and Pelik and Pulak. They're, they're a better defensive pair than uh, McDonough and Hedman. Now Hedman's the better one out of all of them, but all together when it comes to defensive pairing, I would take Pelik and Pulak over Hedman and McDonough. Listen, I, I think that you're. No, I'm, that I'm you're just telling you the truth. I, I'm just telling you the no, truth. No, no, I think that I think that you're what you're taking. You're taking what I said a little, a little sideways because I, I wanted to give the Islanders a lot of credit. What they've done so far has been terrific. They are a uh, up and coming team, but there's there's several things to it. Winning is learned, right? This is mm-hmm. the first time the Islanders have gotten this far. Yes. It's new waters for them. Tampa has been a really good. Now they got upset in the first round last year by Columbus. But Tampa set all kinds of records last year for points in a season and, and things like that, right? Tampa has been really good for a while. They're much more prepared, I think, to win this series than the Islanders are. And let's face it, Tampa's a much deeper team. Like, I like the top two lines for the Islanders, even though they're not quite as good as the top two for, for Tampa. But that's as far as it goes because the, even the bottom line for the Lightning – in uh, in Coleman and Goodrow and Tyler Johnson is terrific. 
Mm-hmm. That's I'm a terrific fourth line. I'm not saying that they don't have great lines. I'm not saying that the Lightning isn't a better team. I'm saying that you can't say that this series is over when it isn't. It isn't over. And and to me, if the Islanders win tomorrow, which quite possibly could happen, especially what I've been reading and how upset the team is, they actually called in. Uh, Barry Trotz had a a team um, meeting a team meeting today, talking to some of the players on how bad they played in the second half Terrific. of the game. So, Terrific. What the team should do is hire a voodoo priestess yeah. and a rabbi and 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 all and, and all the biblical help that they could find and try to conjure up. It's not going to help them. Well, I beg to differ, and I've seen a lot of crazy series before, and I do believe that the Islanders are still in this series, especially if they win tomorrow. And you could say that it could, it's going to go to five, but I think that all the Islanders have to do, and, and you know this more than anybody does, and, 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 and you've watched so many championships with your Boston teams year in and year out. All you have to do is get into a team's head. Once you get into the team's head, you can beat them. And that's and that's what so I that did. was that was the strategy. We're going to lose eight to two. So they no they they, they know, played we lull, a, first we lull of all, them into first a of false all, sense first of security. all first of all Jeff they played a bad game. You watched it. It was five one in this it, by the end of the second period. They did not have a good game, but they also played a, a really hard series against the Philadelphia Flyers that shouldn't have went seven games, but it did. Okay, so the Islanders could be tired. They were tired going right into that series, only having one game one day off to go into that series. But I do believe that the Islanders will be ready tomorrow to make this a series. And I do believe with that defense, they can shut down that off that offense. Great defenses could shut down good offenses. The one thing that I would have given the Islanders um, an edge on in the series because of COVID and because of the way that this thing is being played has been taken away from them, right? Like the Islanders could, could have legitimately had a home ice advantage. That's gone now, though. You know, I mean, the New York crowd is certainly – and listen, I love being here in Tampa, and, and the, you'd be surprised how good the Tampa hockey community is. They're great. Uh, yeah. I, I, think, I think it would shock you how good they are. But I'm still not even going to say they're even close to the Islanders fan base. But that's been taken away from them now, right? Like, that would literally be the one thing that they – might have been able to use to their that's the only place that they'd be better than the lightning and that's not, they're the, not better on defense. and that wasn't even they're the, not better on offense that was not better they don't have better goaltending that that's not my argument with the with the lightning which started off with the rangers it had nothing to do with the lightning okay i'm just so sick and tired of listening to ranger fans say that the islanders don't have a future and we have the number one pick let me tell you something. Oh no, they have they have no. The Islanders have a very bright future. They're a very good young team that's going to get better. They're going to get pieces to improve on, you know, Barzal and Letty and uh, Eberly and Anders Lee and like there's a lot of really good things about that Islanders team. They have a lot of good but they are missing depth towards, you know, the bottom two lines. Well, they need they need a number one guy. They need a guy that can score goals at will, a guy that you can depend on if you need a big time goal. They don't have that guy. Well, Barzell is that well, guy, but well, Barzell have... he's a he's a facilitator. He doesn't want to be the guy that's gonna finish. That's the problem. Well, well they ha- they have the firepower to make a move like that, and there is a guy that you know, there is a top end guy that supposedly the Jets are are making available in Patrick Line. So, I mean, maybe there's a chance that, that, uh, don't do that speed. Don't go, mm. he scored 50 goals his rookie season, man. And he's only been in the league two years. And if you've got a chance to get a, a talent like that, 
you know, and give up some youngsters, maybe it would be worth doing. Uh, it could happen. I, I do believe that the Islanders are going to be looking at other players that they're going to have to sign in the offseason. They have to sign Taos. They have to sign Barzell. They have to sign some of their players that they have on the team right now, and they're only $8 million under the cap. So they're going to have to get rid of players. I think uh, Sezikis will be gone next year. I think they're going to move Casey Sezikis. I Clutterbuck, they're going to try to move that contract. Uh, Matty Martins, who's a free agent, he's unrestricted free agent. I do not believe he'll come back unless he takes less money yeah. in the offseason. There's a lot of players that the Islanders are going to move away from. They brought Komarov in because of Sor- Sorokin. They, they need a guy. They need a bunch of Russian guys that's going to help this kid uh, figure things out here in the NHL. He's a young kid, little wet behind the ears, and he's one of the best prospect goaltenders that we've seen in a very long time in the NHL. So uh, they expect this kid to be a star. They expect him to be the star moving forward for the organization. So, and and I and I believe he will be. The problem right now with the Islanders in this series is goaltending. I don't trust Grice, and I don't trust Volamov. And that, to me, is what you saw yesterday. Bad goals. A lot of bad goals. They took Volamov in. They put Grice in. They both gave up really bad goals. They were terrible. Okay? So, uh, if they do that for the rest of this series, they don't, the Islanders don't stand a chance. But this defense needs to stand up, st- uh, st- um, stand forward, and actually stop this offensive side of the, uh, the, the hockey. Because if you watch both teams... The Islanders have been the best defensive team in the playoffs, and the Lightning have been one of the top two offensive teams in the playoffs. So defense always prevails against offense. We just got to see what these guys are going to do moving forward in the series. So there we go. Uh, is Jeff gone? We must. No, 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 I'm still here. I was just listening to you ramble. Well, I'm thinking of all the ways that the Lightning are just so much better than they, the Islanders. Listen, listen, there's no, there's no doubt there, and we've seen teams that were so much better, so much better lose. So just because the Lightning won eight to two in the first game, the series is not over. They got to lose three more games. They got to lose three more games. I don't games. think the problem for me isn't even the score, though. Right? Like eight to okay, eight to two is lopsided, and eight to two is bad, but. Uh, it's not, that wasn't even the problem for me. The problem with me was how easy it was for the Lightning. It looked like, listen, it looked like they were laying off pretty early, didn't it? Yeah, and I, I will say this. You will not see that same game and that same team for the New York Islanders show up in this game number two. I think they're going to be a lot more ready to play and ready to go. I, I do not see the Lightning scoring more than three goals in the next game against the Islanders. I don't. More than how many? Three goals. I think the well, buckle up, Buttercup. Right. You're going to be on a bad roller coaster. All ride. right, I, I'll I'll tell you this: the Islanders will win tomorrow four four to three. The Islanders will beat the Tampa Bay Lightning four to three tomorrow, and they'll win in overtime, which they haven't done so far in huh. the playoffs. The Lightning haven't lost in overtime, yep. so and the Islanders like have, a first time for everything and, type thing. And the Islanders haven't won in overtime, so, so they're overdue. So I, I, I'm I'm predicting that the Islanders beat Tampa in overtime tomorrow four to three. And I, I think, and I think the Islanders can, are capable of doing it. I do. I think they're a good defensive team, and and we've seen they have guys like Pajot and and, and Bolivier and and Barzell to score big goals. They can score big goals. The problem with the Islanders is they have to get an early lead if they plan to win. They need an early lead. If they don't have an early lead, they're not going to win. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Jeff, thank you for calling, buddy. We have to get our uh, special guest on. Speedy, if you got some smelling salts, now's the time to rub them under Errol's nose. I think he's got a concussion. <laughs> I love you, Jeff. Keep listening, man. All right, boys.
Oh, Jeff from Tampa. Very, very nice. When we come back, we will be talking to Cincinnati football outside linebacker recruit Caleb Schmitz here on Down to the Wire. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, 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 you're listening, listening to, to Down, Down to, to the, the wire. wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Six three one nine six five four nine nine zero is the number. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app. Go to iOS, WWSRN, and Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You know, Speedy, I sit here every single day, and I know you keep bobbing your head, and you pick your music out, but do you know when to variate from sound to no sound? I don't know. Variate. Uh, variate, yes. Word yes. of the day. Variate. Well, I learned that from EMT class, so at least I'm learning ah, something. Ah, you remember something. Uh, you didn't fall asleep learning, during that word. Well, uh, at least I'm learning something in the EMT class because, God almighty, I, I feel like falling asleep every time I walk through the door. So, anyways, uh, as you guys know, this is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday now from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. This will be the last show on Tuesday for a little while. Uh, it is obviously, it started at 10 o'clock. We're here to 12. As you guys know, we are talking to Cincinnati football outside linebacker recruit Caleb Schmitz. What's up, Caleb? Hey, how are you? We are good, my friend. Uh, Speedy uh, worked with the sound. Um, you know, he's a little out there and outlandish, but, you know, that's, that's just the way Speedy is. How are you doing uh, with you and your family with this pandemic? Uh, you know, we're, we're doing all right. You know, we're, we're doing all the things that, that we're supposed to do. Uh, you know, we just, just went back to school five days a week. Uh, so we're taking all the, you know, necessary precautions for that. But uh, for the most part, we're just living life the same way, same way we were before. Now, I've been reading a couple of articles. There was an article on 247sports.com. Cincinnati lands a big-time athlete, athlete, Caleb Schmitz. Did you read that article? Uh, I did not, but I probably answered the question, so I know most of what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I read a little bit about you. Uh, if, if everybody doesn't know, Caleb is an outside linebacker, uh, six foot four, two hundred pounds. He's still very, very young, and uh, he's going to grow. And usually, a guy that's six foot four and two hundred pounds is probably by the time he's done with college, he's probably going to be six four, two hundred and thirty, two hundred and thirty five pounds with muscle, uh, going to college and, and playing high school. So. Caleb, knowing the speed of the game and the transition of going from high school to college ball, what do you see to be different from high school to college? Well, yeah, you know, it's just a whole different level uh, when you get there. You're, you're playing against guys that there were uh, recruits just like you. Um, you know, you're playing from guys from Texas, Florida. You know, there's different types of speeds there. Uh, so just just really, you know, trying to learn as much as I can right now in, uh, in high school and then uh, letting the my college coaches, you know, you know, push me to the game speed that uh, that I'm gonna have to adjust to when I get there. What are some of the concepts that you are best at and you like the most about the linebacker position? And you also played some safety as well, from what I was reading uh, when you were in high school. So, what are your favorite aspects of playing the position? And what do you think you're the best at? Yeah, like you said, playing safety. Um, you know, a lot of guys that get recruited to play linebacker these days need to be, uh, you know, shifty guys that can defend the pass with, um, you know, with the way that the game has changed to the the RPO. Um, so definitely, uh, you know, the stuff that we run, uh, you know, I, I like blitzing a lot, you know, running a lot of cover two and 
Um, you know, as an outside linebacker, I really like playing the flat and the curl. So just doing all different types of sorts of things. As you guys know, we are talking to Cincinnati football outside linebacker recruit Caleb Schmitz. Now, what was it like being recruited? Now, I'm sure you had a bunch of teams interested in you, Caleb. Uh, a bunch of SEC teams, uh, Pac-12. Pac I mean, there, I'm sure there were a ton of teams interested in you. You're a great athlete, six foot four, built like an ox. When they came to your house to sit down and talk to your family, how did they? How did Cincinnati? kind of talk you into going to Cincinnati? Was it the school? Did you visit the school? Did you always want to play for Cincinnati? What was it that really drew you to Cincinnati? Uh, the big thing for me uh, was was getting to learn the locker room culture. Uh, and by that, I mean getting to you know, know some of the other recruits that were in my class. Uh, I'm actually an Ohio guy, um, pretty much family. Most of my family grew up in Cleveland. Uh, so I pretty much spend most of my summers over there. Uh, and I've always been familiar with Cincinnati's program and, and Coach Fickle. And I've just seen how how much better that they've gotten, uh, you know, over the past couple of years. Uh, so definitely just building a relationship with those coaches uh, and those guys and, and seeing how they are academically. And then, uh, like I said, just being an Ohio guy, uh, it was kind of like the perfect storm for me uh, in this weird recruiting process this year with the with the coronavirus. Uh, you know, I had the, you know, uh the luxury of going to visit a couple of different schools um, before the uh, pandemic hit. And uh, Cincinnati just was, you know, a place where I decided I wanted to be. You mentioned Coach Fickle. Coach Fickle, before he got hired as the Cincinnati head coach four years ago, was the linebacker coach at Ohio State, and they had a lot of first-round picks, uh, some that weren't great, guys like Darren Lee that, uh, and uh, Bobby Carpenter that weren't great, but you had Ryan Shazier, you had A.J. Hawk, James Laurinaitis, guys that played very well in this league when they were in the league. Obviously, Shazier had his career cut short because of the neck injury. So do you see yourself stylistically similar to those types of linebackers, and do you think that was a big reason that they wanted you on this team and recruiting-wise? Yeah, well, Coach Fickle's definitely, uh, you know, like you said, notorious for bringing guys uh, in that spot um, and, you know, making them great, great players. Uh, and I think a lot of those guys actually were similar, uh, you know, to me in high school and, you know, were shifty guys that, you know, it could had ball skills and uh, could defend the pass. So I'm just really excited to, you know, work with him and then, you know, work, work with all the different types of coaches. Um, and actually, you know, he hasn't given me a clear position on what I'm playing. So two, four, seven lists me as an outside <laughs> linebacker. But uh, to be honest with you, I have no idea what position I'll be playing when I get over there. As you guys know, we are talking to Cincinnati football outside linebacker recruit Caleb Schmitz. Now, Caleb, the the linebacker position to me is probably the most important position on the field when it comes to college football because. The linebacker position, if outside and inside linebacker, are usually calling the plays at the line of scrimmage. They're the ones that are seeing the, you know, are, are looking at the offensive line, seeing where the running back is going to go. Where they are they using a spread offense? Are they going to use the running back as a wide receiver? You're the one that's going to call the plays at the line of scrimmage. You're the one that's going to see all the plays, and you're also going to do things in the inside. You're the outside linebacker, so you're going to obviously have to go after the quarterback as well. So when you look at the position. Like for like I was saying, from high school to college, do you see a difference in the position moving from high school to college? Uh, not as much as you know in the position that I see a difference, uh, but definitely in a leadership role. Uh, like you said, when it gets to the the college, the, you know, the next level, um, you know, you're, you're making a lot more different you know checks. It's kind of like a 
uh, a checking battle once you get to that um, level. You know, whoever's making the last check before the the snap is who's going to have a little bit of, uh, you know, an advantage uh, on that certain play. Um, so, you know, like you said, just college football is a whole another mental battle as well. So playing that from the outside linebacker position could definitely be a little bit different. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, learn and, and watch film and, and do what I need to do uh, to adjust to that. Yeah, the hybrid trend has really continued across all facets. You were talking about, obviously, you doing it in high school, which, again, sometimes they still do to an extent dependent on the size of the school. But, again, as a whole, especially on the defensive side of the ball, no matter what combination, do you think the hybrid trend is, trend is going to be continued? And also, do you think it will become a primary at one point in the NFL? You know, I, I do uh, think that, you know, like, like I said, the, the RPO is uh, so commonly used now. You know, you know, 20 years ago, you look back and, uh, you know, teams were 70% run, 60% run, uh, you know, and that was that was how you won, you know, football games. And now everyone's, uh, you know, converted to the spread offense, the RPO offense, uh, even offensively, you know, guys are looking for, you know, lighter tight ends that can run routes um, and and running backs that can catch the ball. Uh, so I think the game as a whole uh, is definitely changing. Um, so, yeah, for sure. Now, Caleb, you, you look at the league right now. You look at where the college game is going with the pandemic. There might not be a season. It might be moved off to spring. When you look at the big picture right now, where Cincinnati is, where the team is, w- with some of the recruits that they have, do you think that going into this season, if there is a season, that they're up for a ball game? Are they up for possibly being a contending team to make the playoffs? Yeah, you know, they, they have a lot of great talent coming back. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, all all American players, uh, a lot of, especially on their defense, their defense is going to be really scary this year. Just, you know, from talking to my coaches, I've seen a lot of guys. I, I know Desmond Howard put them in the, in the, his top four pick. Um, like you said, without the big 10 this year, it's just going to be different. Uh, I can definitely see them, you know, having the potential to, to be in, you know, anywhere from, from the top four to the top 10, uh, you know how it is, you know, you lose one game and, and you can get bounced out real quick. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I think they definitely have the potential to, uh, to be where they want to be. Even in a normal year, like you could see that the AAC, uh, is really rising where it's played just as well as some of the other, uh, power five conferences. They're not the, obviously the sec of the big 10, or anything like that, but they've played close uh, where they've had just as many ranked teams as, as the Pac-12 and even the Big 12 to an extent, even though Oklahoma's already the powerhouse. Can you see them rising where they permanently surpass some of those conferences and maybe become like that, maybe they call it Power 6 from now on and be a dominant force? Yeah, you know, the conference as a whole is obviously, you know, really strong. Uh, you know, you got a lot of teams like UCF that have been, um, you know, just different animals these past couple of years. Uh, so I think I think maybe due time, uh, either some of those teams will move out of the AAC conference uh, or, like you said, you know, it'll be more of a power six type feel. Um, but a lot of those teams definitely reserve or deserve some of the respect, um, you know, as those same power five schools. Now, Caleb, how old are you? I'm 17. You're 17 years old. So you're not even going to play college ball this year. That would be next year, right? Yes, yes, sir. So you're a young guy. You're six foot four, two hundred pounds, like I, I said in the beginning of the interview. When you look at your 
your growth as a player. You're still growing right now. You're a young man. You're 17 years old. You're it, it's incredible because you can gain two. You could probably grow two inches and gain 30, 40 pounds of muscle. Where do you see yourself? I, I obviously I don't want to look forward because you're not even in college. Do you see yourself as a talent? to possibly be an NFL type of prospect or do you are you are you're not looking forward to that right now you're try, you're trying to just try to get get into college and figure everything out Yeah I'm I'm just taking it day by day uh especially with this corona stuff you know you never know what's going to happen you know there's there's injuries that can happen there's you know seasons that can't be played um so everyone's you know dealing with their own you know stuff and I'm just trying to like you said um, being a young dude, you know, hit the weights, do what I'm supposed to do. Uh, still enjoying high school for my senior year. Uh, and then the moment I get to Cincinnati, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm all in. So I was talking about the AAF, uh, AAC earlier. Um, is there one particular opponent you're most looking forward to playing? And if so, why? Uh, I think it'd be pretty cool to play Temple, uh, just because I'm from, uh, around here. I actually got a uh, a guy I know that plays receiver over there, so it's, it's just uh, would definitely be a fun game. Uh, you know, I'm, I think they play in actually an NFL stadium, so if we would play over there, that would yeah, be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so yeah, definitely, definitely Temple or uh, UCF, just because that's the big game every year that they have. Like I said, we are talking to Cincinnati football outside linebacker recruit Caleb Schmitz now. I look at the NFL and the transition of the game and like I was talking about the linebacker position and, and, and you look at some of the great linebackers over the last couple of years. Now Luke Keekley who just retired. Uh, we talked about uh, Patrick Willis. We've talked about all the great young guys that have retired at such a young age. And, and now we, we're looking at some of the young guys that have come into the league. Uh, the C.J. Mosley's of the world. Uh, who's the guy from Seattle? I'm sorry. Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner. Mm-hmm. There are so many good young linebackers, inside and outside linebackers. Is, is there a particular linebacker right now that's in the NFL that compares your game to? Uh, you know, I've been compared to Sam Hubbard a little bit, uh, and I definitely watch him and, and uh, was a big Keekly fan growing up as well. Uh, I just try to go out and play my game. Uh, you know, I haven't had the, the chance to, you know, go out and, and really play too much linebacker other in, in other than certain sets of my high school defense. Uh, so I don't I don't really have a comparison right now, but I, I'm just going to go out and try to play like me. In terms of the development of the position, both with linebacker and with safety, we're seeing now guys have to be faster, and they prioritize that a little more than physicality. It used to be a lot of bigger, great middle linebackers that were great in coverage and could stop the run. They were big. They were 260 pounds. Now they're kind of prioritizing speed more with the younger guys, guys like Deion Jones and Jalen Smith, guys like that. Do you think it'll ever revert back where it becomes a more physical style of play, or do you think this will be a trend that stays forever? Uh, you know what? I th- I think it'll be a trend that stays for a long time uh, until the next football guru comes up with something. Um, that would be me. I am the next. <laughs> I am the next football guru. So just remember uh, this this interview. I'm I'm taking everything in and I'm going to be changing all the rules. But go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, when, whenever you change that, then I think uh, <laughs> I think it'll get back t- to uh, you know guys uh, getting a couple extra burgers and then uh, you know hitting a little bit harder, but. For for now, you know, I like it's just burgers. Such a... I like burgers. <laughs> burgers are my favorite. I, I don't know if you're going to pick a fast food restaurant. Which which one would it be? Ah, uh, Chick Fil A for uh, sure. All right, all right. I like all that. Right. I like that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, uh, you know, like I said, it's just such a different game now, and 
Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, if, if you can control the, the line of scrimmage, uh, that you'll, you know, nine times out of ten win the game. Uh, so I could definitely see that coming back, you know, even playing in, in uh, playoff weather when it gets colder. Uh, you know, that, those always seem to be like the teams that are, uh, you know, win the state championships. Uh, so if, obviously, if you want to stop the run, you got to have, you know, heavy hitters playing linebacker. Caleb, is there any other sports that you play in high school right now that really defines who you are as an athlete? I do. I, I play uh, basketball and track. And are you a top end basketball player? Are you a, are you a great player? Yeah, I've I've started since my sophomore year. Wow. Um, okay. And and then for track, um, I I actually made districts my freshman year. Wow. And then I had two uh, shoulder surgeries, so I had to miss out the next two years, unfortunately. But How are your shoulders doing right now? They're they're awesome. Uh, we have a really good doctor over here. Uh, his name's Doctor Perizus, and he uh, he fixed me right up. Yeah, you look healthy. I mean, six foot four, two hundred pounds, seventeen years old. <laughs> like I said, you're gonna grow. You're gonna eat a lot of those Chick Fil A burgers. So. Uh, you're definitely going to put some mass on, which there's a lot of Chick-fil-A's out here. And if you ever come to New York, whenever you get drafted by an NFL team, because I'm already putting you up there on a pedestal. But um, so what we do before before we let you go, what we do is we like to have a little bit of fun with the recruits and and kind of ask you some silly questions and let the fans get to know you uh, uh, personally, even if they're weird questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. First question I always ask every recruit. Boxers or briefs, and why? I was I was prepared for this one. Okay? I, <laughs> you studied up. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did my homework. Uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely boxers, and that's just because I'm a breathable guy, and I, I've been uh, wearing them since day one. <laughs> you know, if if I were to go through maybe sixty of the recruits that we've interviewed. I would say more briefs than boxers. I, I, really? I would say you're one of very few. I would say maybe five or six of you uh, have said boxers, and the rest, they didn't even know what briefs were until I explained it to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're boxers, but they're briefs. Uh, the ones that they, they go tight around my legs. I said boxer briefs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, I had to do my research as well, All but right. uh, All right. definitely a boxer guy. All right, so second question uh, what is your favorite snack to eat before a game? Oh, uh, this is gonna. This one's a little weird, actually. Um, but I, I either have a chicken broth or I have a pickle juice because it helps huh. you not cramp. Pickle wow. juice. Wow, wow, that's interesting. Pickle juice. Could you imagine somebody sitting in a locker room and saying, "What are you eating, Caleb?" Uh, I'm, I'm not eating. I'm drinking pickle juice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's me. I get a lot of crap from my teammates too, but I, I don't cramp on the field, so I win. Well, here's the thing: I, I would stay away from you because I don't want to smell your farts or smell your breath when you're on the field either. So that that could that could make you a better player too because you'd scare the hell out of the opposition. <laughs> oh yeah, they'll stay away from me. <laughs> Have you ever had a pickle juice eating uh, drinking contest with another teammate? <laughs> I, I have not. Couldn't get anyone else to do it with me. Oh, oh my God. Uh, who, wh- when did you start drinking pickle juice? Uh, about sophomore year. So I actually have um, a cousin that uh, cramps up pretty bad in his games, and I cramp up a little bit. Uh, and he uh, he used to have chicken chicken broth and, and pickle juice. And mm. um, my uncle actually played um, – in Michigan, uh, and won two Rose, Bowl, Rose Bowls there, um, and did uh, did all those kind of sorts of you know 
tricks. Yeah, who's your <laughs> uncle? Who's your uncle, by the way? His name's John Jakin. He played a uh, tight okay. end. I, I I think I've heard of him. I think I've heard of him. I, it's a long time ago, and I, I'm a little bit of your elder. I mean, could you guess how old I am? Honestly. Just honest to God. Could you guess how uh, old? You're, you're looking pretty young. I'd say you're somewhere in your 30s. All right. All right. I, I am. I am in my 30s. I'm 38 years old. So... Okay, yeah, I would have guessed a little lower. Yeah, most people would, but you know, I'm I'm not gonna blow my head up yet. Okay, so <laughs> you know, yeah, I when I when I walk into a, when I'm interviewing some of you young football players when I go into the locker room, some of them think that I'm some kind of like kid trying to do interviews from a high school. So I I actually have to tell them that I'm a lot older than you. I'm about 20 years old. No, you're not. I got some guy. I'll tell you a funny story. I walked in. I was in. Um, I was in uh, what you call it again, uh, um, Stony Brook. I, I, I was interviewing some of the Division One Stony Brook players a couple of years ago, and I walk right into the locker room. The coach told me I can come in and interview some of the players, and one of the captains, the uh, one of the five or four captains that they have on the team, told me, "What are you doing in the locker room?" I said, "Well, I'm here to do an interview." He says, "Well, uh, the school newspaper is not allowed in here until the end of the game." I said, "I'm not from the school newspaper," uh, so. And then he tells me, he tells me, well, where are you from? It's like, I said, I'm part of a network. He's like, well, what network is that? Because you look like you're 17, 18 years old. I said, dude, I'm about, when you were born, I was 18 years old. And he, and I, he actually asked me to pull out my ID. This guy, the captain of he the didn't see, He didn't see a press pass on you or anything? No, I didn't have wow. a press pass. Oh, okay. I was invited by the coach to interview the players. They didn't know who I was. So there was no press pass. I just walked right in and some, they were harassing me. So there you go. <laughs> uh, and the kid had to actually see, and then he couldn't believe me. He, he didn't believe me. He thought it was a fake ID. So really? yeah, I'm serious. It, it, it's, it's crazy, man. But I guess it, it's nice to feel like you're young, but you're really not. I mean, when I look at you and I'm set, you're 17 and this guy's 25, it kind of makes me sick, you know? So it just makes me sick how old I'm getting and, and how age just starts to fly by. So, just remember, enjoy your, enjoy being seventeen. Enjoy being in college, in high school, because once you're done with that, my friend, uh, it all gets a little uh, jumpy, and you hit a lot of uh, what do they call it? Speed bumps. So, sure. so there you go. So I, I, I would say this: I'm, I'm rooting for you, my friend. I want you to, I want you to be successful. All you guys, all the top recruits that we've interviewed in the last uh, couple of months. I root for you guys. I've become big fans of you guys, uh, um, and I will be following you guys because um, not only the bets that I had with some of you recruits. Yeah. Um, oh, Chick Fil A bet is coming. <laughs> I, I, you know what? That that might be a good bet, but we'll we'll, f- we'll think of something before the end of this interview. Um, number three, blondes or brunettes, and why? Um, you're blonde, so I am. That's, I think that's why I'm gonna have to go with blondes. Really, blonde hair and what uh, kind of eyes? Blue, green? What oh, do you like? blue eyes. Yeah, blue eyes. I so, figured. I figured you were. That's my uh, my parents always say that that I have to you know get a blonde hair, blue eye girl uh, to keep the German uh, genes going because they're dying. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's uh, you know, that's, I have, that's my way. You know, I have German blood in me too. You know, do you really? Yes, I do. My um, my mom's father was from Germany. Yes, my grandfather Meyer is my my mom's last name. So, so Meyer, and then there's Beninati, uh, my my mom's mother's name. So maiden okay. names from Italy. So they're both from Germany and Italy. So yes, I am a quarter German. So there you go. 
So we have something in common too, man. I mean, I, I thought I felt some kind uh, of you know. There's got to be a connection, some one way or another. And I understand why you want to go with the blonde hair, blue eyed girls. I mean, over there in Cincinnati, you're going to see a lot of those. So you're going to have a lot of fun over there, my friend. Ah, so, <laughs> uh, yes. So last question I have for you. I'm going to pick five different people. I want you to put put them in order on. Who would you hang out or date first to last? Are you ready? Okay. So I, I'm going to try to – I'm trying to look at like, um, I don't know, famous people. And, and, of course, my computer isn't working. That just uh, ends up being great. Famous famous women. So I'm going to give you – hmm. I, I'm, I'm just – I was thinking about it yesterday, and I, I'm just trying to figure out the, the top famous women that I want. You know, Speedy, I'm going to let you pick. All right. Give me, give me two famous women that you uh, are. Jennifer Aniston and Madonna. Okay, Jennifer Aniston, Madonna, um, Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> mm. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> well, there you go. You put them at the ends. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise or... Mm, Katie Holmes will make it ironic. <laughs> Katie Holmes. There you go. Okay, okay. There we go. All right, Jennifer Aniston... Definitely number one. I'm a big Friends fan. Okay. I am. Um, you say, uh, who else you say? Uh, Madonna. Madonna. I would hang out with Madonna. Because mm-hmm. I think she's kind of She's cool. a little old, man. I, I, I'd probably rather hang out with Lawrence Fishburne. Last week, we, last week you said Marilyn Monroe <laughs> to somebody. Whoever that is, she's, she's at the bottom. Well, Lawrence Fishburne is a guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, maybe he's at the bottom. Maybe he's at the bottom. Tom, is, uh, Tom, Cruise. Tom, Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is next. Okay. And then uh, whoever brings that fourth. Uh, Katie uh, Holmes. Yes, Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes, yeah, which was his wife. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That, was, that makes sense. Yep. And then, um, first of all, <laughs> where do you come up with these names? Of all people to pick out. I mean, I just the first two I thought of. I Lawrence Fishburne. I knew he didn't know who Lawrence Fishburne is. So I didn't I was, say Lawrence Fishburne. I did. I wanted to trick him to see if he put him in the top of his uh, top of his list. He didn't know who he was. He thought it was a she. So, so. Oh, we had, we had a guest who didn't know who Marilyn Monroe was either. So, so here's what we're going to do, my friend. Marilyn Monroe. So here's okay, this, this is what we're going to do, buddy. Um, your first season will be next year, okay? And I, I'm hoping you're going to start. If you start and you huh, intercept one ball, okay, and a fumble return in, in one season, I will give you – I will pay for – a month's supply of fish fillet. <laughs> I right, will pay I'll... for a month's supply. Of fi- Look, at, I'm, I'm, I'm making these. You know, I'm making these bets because you know what it is. I'm a man of my word. I always keep my bets in. Um, uh, Devin Kirkwood, who's the one of the top recruits in the country, I think ranked 13th. Mm-hmm. I told he told me his favorite snack was gummy bears. So I okay. told him, I told him if he's got three or more interceptions his first year. I will send him a six-month supply of gummy bears. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of gummy, gummy yeah, bears. Yeah, that's a sure. lot of gummy bears. That's a couple of boxes. So I'm going to send him two boxes of uh, filled to the brim of gummy bears, which he was so excited about. And who was the other one? 
Oh, there was a couple with Skittles, too. Yes, we got Skittles. Yeah, I think we had three different people who said Skittles. Yes. Really? Yes. So, and I told them to stay in touch with me, but... Uh, and then there's the one who's going to have a potato skin eating contest the corner? with me. Who's the corner? Who's the corner that we had? Um, oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. The corner um, from... Who, who was the corner that we interviewed? Oh, Jalen Davies. D- Jalen Davies. He was... Um, uh, hot Oregon, Cheetos. Yeah. He was, it was Hot Cheetos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my fa- Cheetos. One of my favorite snacks. <laughs> yes. Hot <laughs> Cheetos. And I, I told him that if he has, uh, what did I tell him? I said, uh, what was it? Four interceptions. I think you said four. It was the same Four as interceptions yeah. to Devons. I would send him three months supply of, of Cheetos. So Hot Cheetos. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this bet with you. If you have one interception and a fumble return in your first year, I will send you a month's supply of... Speedy? A month's supply of Chick-fil-A. <laughs> a month's supply of Chick-fil-A. That means, I, you know, that's probably, you'll probably eat that twice a week, right? Give or yeah, take. Yeah, for sure. So I, I will send you, I will send you $20, $20 a day. So that's 40, 40, 40, 40, 40. Speedy, you do the math. I'm tired, man. 40 times four. It is 160. It's a lot of money. 160. <laughs> so I'm going to send you $160. And and that's that's not for the NCAA to say that I'm paying you to do anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm. This is a bet between me and you, where if you win, I I'm going to buy you a month's supply of Chick Fil A. Sounds like a deal, and this thing's recording. You know, you can't go back I'm on not, that. <laughs> one thing you'll I'll know: have the about, file saved on my computer too. Don't one, you worry. <laughs> one thing you know about me, Caleb. One thing you know about me, Caleb. I, I'm a man of my word. So I, 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 I'm rooting for you, my friend. You're 17 years old. I, I'm, and and here's my promise. Here's your promise to me: when you get drafted, and we've talked to a lot of these uh, future NFL players, if you get drafted and you're a first or second round draft pick, you are going to invite us to sit at your table at the draft. You'll be there. You remember, I, you remember, you got to be a man of your word. you got to be a man of your word. My word as well. Yeah, you go. Your word is your bond. My word is my bond, too. So uh, we are at the draft all the time, too. So we would love to come and uh, definitely be the, one of the first people to interview you if you get drafted by one of these NFL teams. And hopefully it will be the New York Jets because I'm a Jet fan. So... Don't talk about that a lot on my show because I know even though a lot of people that do watch this show know that I'm a Jet fan, I don't really brag about it. So um, I'm hoping that this transition with Joe Douglas will transition into a good uh, next five to ten years, but we can only hope. So there you go. I'm uh, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm a Browns fan. Oh, oh my boy. God, man! That's You're gotta even be in a hard. worse situation. You're <laughs> yeah, even a worse. Yeah, situation. I might be in a little bit of a, a worse boat. Yeah, but don't worry, man. We're on your side, um, and I will be a big fan. I'll be rooting for you. I want you to come back on uh, when uh, the season starts next year, and you're going to be playing for Cincinnati. I would love to hear about uh, the Cincinnati um, uh, what, what, Bearcats. Bearcats, I'm sorry. I knew they were the Bearcats. I, I, by the way, I just want to let all the fans know I've been so busy all day, not only been on business calls for the network, I, I was at work, and then I went to an EMT class where I couldn't stand. Could you imagine sitting in a three-hour class, taking tests, and then coming here and doing a live radio show? I, I mean, only me, man. Only me. So, But I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm happy to have you on the show. I want you to come back on the show. Jillian spoke nothing but high pro, pro, um, praise. praise for you, and uh, you're a good kid. I've read a lot about you, and I'm looking forward to watching you play some football. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. And by the way, man, tell the fans how they can find you on social media. 
Uh, yeah, on uh, Instagram, it's Caleb Schmitz 34 with the, the German S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. <laughs> nice. um, and then Twitter is uh, C Schmitz 34. Well, are you following us on our social medias? I am, yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you this, my friend. We are going to stay in touch. We're going to be good friends. I, I've be, I've befriended a lot of recruits, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to watching you guys grow as college players and then future. I believe a lot of you guys are going to be future NFL players because a lot I could tell um, I could tell by your egos. A lot of you guys. What I love about you guys is you guys have egos, but you also have an understanding of what you need to do to be successful in the game. You don't have an ego, I, which I'm, I, I could see that as a person. I, I see that you're a kid that wants to grow at the position and, and want to be successful at the position before you even think about going into the NFL. But uh, I think you're going to be very successful, kid, because I, I think that not only did you give us a great interview, but you give us a good out. Uh, a good thought on who you are as a person, uh, your family background. By the way, before we let you go, who kind of pushed you through playing football? Was it your mom, your father? I'm sure your mom was screaming when that whole CTE thing came out with uh, the concussion thing. I'm sure she had something to say about that. But what, was it your father, your mother, your uncle, your sister, your brother? Who pushed you to go play college? You know, go play college football. Yeah, definitely my dad. Uh, you know, he he was a really talented uh, football player when he was in high school, and I actually have uh, another uncle that that played at Division two college, and another that played uh, at a Division two college as well. Uh, so pretty much my whole family's been been you know behind me, supporting me. But definitely my dad. He coached me all the way up to uh, freshman year. And you'll be the first one in your family to go into the NFL draft. So there you go. I appreciate it. Too. I, I listen, man. I, I'm just telling you what I see. I see you're a bright kid. You're a smart kid. You listen, and you 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 don't have that ego. Even though I love the kids with the ego. Don't don't get it, Devin. I I love you, dude. I I love your ego. I love your personality. I'm not saying anything bad with egos, but for you, I you're like a Luke Keekly, a guy that is quiet and says a lot in the locker room, speaks up. High praise for who he is as a player, but on the field, he plays the game, and he plays the game personally and hard. So I, I think that's the type of player that you are, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching you grow, my friend. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Caleb Schmitz, guys, uh, great kid. He really is a great kid. Um, um, and I, and the, the best thing about these recruits that I love about them is they all have different personalities. Oh, yeah. All of them. They all have different personalities. They come from a different family, different family life, um, different household, uh, different parents. Different. Some some of them have their grandparents raised them. So it, it it's incredible when you get to see these kids and really who they are as people. Not just with the interviews because the interview I like to be different. I like to be a little outlandish on what I ask them. But and Speedy's more professional on some of the questions that he asks because I want to get to know who they are as people. Not not just as athletes, as young students, as kids, because they are. They're kids. They're 17 years old. They're babies. I mean, I'm I'm like an old man to them. They can call me grandpa. Okay? So uh, it's crazy. But the, Caleb's a great kid. You can tell that he's going to be a great kid. Uh, and, and Cincinnati's going to go great player, outside linebacker. And, and what I've read about him, he, he's a great athlete. So uh, Cincinnati is in good hands for their uh, outside linebacker position moving forward. So Caleb Smits. So Schmitz. So um, up next, uh, we are going to get into our NFL conversation. Speedy, what are we getting into? Pretenders and contenders, NFC East and NFC West. And at eleven thirty, we'll be talking to uh, Louisville tight end recruit Vic Mullen here on Down to the Wire. 
As you guys know, this is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And remember, you can download our app on iOS, which is WWSRN, and on Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I want to give a shout-out to Caleb Schmitz, a very nice kid. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him grow in Cincinnati as an outside linebacker and, and hopefully in the future in the NFL. I, I think the kid is is sensational. I th- I, first of all, he's great at interviewing, mm. always got a smile on his face. He he doesn't have an ego whatsoever. He really right. doesn't. He, he, you see that he's he just his personality is very, very strong. You could see him as the next, uh, you know, two years from now, three years from now, talking about him being one of the captains of Cincinnati. Uh, absolutely. Good kid. Really is. All right, so Speedy, what are we getting into? Pretenders and contenders, NFC East and NFC West. Go ahead, So we'll start in the East. We'll start with the Washington football team now. Uh, Are they pretenders or are they contenders? They're still pretenders. They're still kind of on the rebuilding side. They'll be better than 3-13 and because they're more talented than that. That defense still has a lot of talent in that front seven. The question marks are going to be with the offense. There's a lot of question marks. They have McLaurin, who's nice. They have Haskins. We'll see what he can rise into. He had his issues last year, but played better as the season went along. So they're still pretenders for right now. And again, Ron Rivera will help a little bit, but they'll probably still be more like 6-10. and Uh, Giants, same kind of thing. They're pretenders. They'll be... Maybe improved a little bit, but I can't see much more. That defense is still very iffy in that front seven. Their corners are all right, but still not great. The offense is probably average above average, maybe. Uh, They have some talent there, but still pretenders for right now. Uh, Cowboys will still be contenders. It's just a matter of if they win the big game or not. Uh, obviously, they made a lot of improvements in the draft. They bring in Mike McCarthy to substitute for Jason Garrett. You don't like him, but a lot of people do. But, I don't like him. Yeah, no. I, I, think they'll still, I think they'll still be contenders. It's just the question that always is with the Cowboys. Do they win big games? And then they struggle in the second half of the season a lot. They're still going to be riding it the whole way, but they're just a team that's better right now. So they're still uh, contenders. I think there's just better teams right now in the West and the South that I think will end up stealing those wild card spots. And the Eagles are definitely contenders. I think they're the second best team after the Saints in the NFC right now. They're very talented. They made the trade of the offseason in getting Darius Slay. They got some linebackers to help out that depth as well to help out their other corners in coverage. And their offense should be healthier than what it's been. I mean, obviously Carson Wentz will never know with him, but he definitely could be anything better than what they had last year. <laughs> uh, well, the Washington, I guess you could say the Washington football team, I think they're going to be a lot better defensively this year. I wouldn't say they're contenders. They're more pretenders, but I think they're going to be a lot better defensively with uh, Chase Young being one of, their best, one of the best young pass rushers in the league. I like what they're doing. I like the development. They brought in a, a, a guy like uh, Ron Rivera, who's a very good coach. I like the the development, some of the players that we're going to see with Ron Rivera. So I like them. I, I think they're going to win a lot more games than three this year. I think they can win six games, but I don't think they're going to win more than six. The New York football Giants, I think they're going to be a lot better than people think they're going to be. Now, I, I, I do believe think they're they're an 8-8 eight eight best, at best a 9-17 this year, but I don't think they're going to be a 9-17. I think they're more of an 8-8, eight 7-19. Eight, I think they're going to win a lot more games than t- people think. I love, I, I love their young quarterback. I really do. I think he's going to be a good player uh, in, in, in Daniel, um, Daniel Jones. Daniel, uh, uh, Daniel Jones. I'm sorry. I'm a little tired, so Speedy, don't laugh and giggle because you're sitting here all day waiting for a show, and I've been working all day. So don't even laugh and giggle. But uh, 
And I do believe Saquon Barkley is going to have a better season this year. I, I don't like their wide receiving core. I really don't. I, I don't want to hear about this guy or that guy. Uh, when you have Golden Tate as your number one guy, your number one option, that's scary. And it's Sterling Shepard who really took a step back last year. And I don't, we, we don't know what their tight end position is going to entail this year because over the, over the last couple of years, it doesn't matter where they drafted their tight end, their tight end has not really flourished uh, moving forward. So let's see what they're going to do moving forward this year. I think they're more of a 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight team this year. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, they're a contender this year. I don't like Mike McCarthy. I really don't. I don't like the offense fitting with the running back uh, position with Ezekiel Elliott there. Um, I, I think they're going to have problems with their offensive line. They're getting older. Um, they, they overpaid some of the offensive linemen in the offseason as well. I, I, I just don't like this team as a whole. I do like uh, CeeDee Lamb. I think he's going to have a, a good season this year as a, a rookie. Uh, Amari Cooper, having CeeDee Lamb on the other side is only going to make him a better player. Uh, and in the defense, the defense has got to step up this year. Last year, they went from one of the best all defenses uh, in the league two years ago to one of the worst defenses in the league, especially in the playoffs. So I like to see this team uh, take a step forward, not a step back. And the Eagles, say whatever you want. They're a contender. I, I worry about their wide receiving core. I don't know who their wide receiver is going to be this year, who their number one guy is, who their number two guy is. They're all hurt. Uh, and, and, and Carson Wentz, we don't know what he is and if he can stay healthy on the field. This is a good defense. It's a very talented defense and a very good special teams. I could see uh, the winner of this division being 10-6. and six. I, I really don't think this division is um, a top division. So, uh, it could be the Eagles. It could be the Cowboys. I think the top team in this division will be 10-6. and six. Uh-huh. All righty. NFC West. So last place last year was the Arizona Cardinals, 5-10-1. But they had one of the best offseasons. I think they're definitely contenders for this year. I think they had the best draft. They had some great offseason acquisitions on defense. And obviously they traded for DeAndre Hopkins, who they just signed to a massive deal today, two-year extension worth almost $27 million a year. They are, they are definitely a contender. I think they're the, the first wild card team. I could see them being like a 10-6 and six team. They have a lot of talent. Uh, their corner depth is a little bit of an issue, and their offensive line is still a question mark, but I think that scheme definitely grew. And the Cardinals played well against last year against a, a lot of good teams, so that'll end up helping them on an easier schedule as Who's well. the Giants' number one uh, wide receiver right now? I would say Golden Tate. So do I. Tyler, don't come on the show. Don't say anything. Tyler, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. He says, as usual, wrong. Tate will be the third option. You don't know what you're talking about. Don't come on, and if you got something to say, call the damn show, Big Mouth. 631-965-4990. By the way, Tyler, what happened to Baker Mayfield last year? What happened to Lamar Jackson last year? Lamar, who was the worst quarterback in the league last year, to the best quarterback in the league. And Baker Mayfield, who was second-best quarterback in the league, in your book, was the worst. So you don't know what you're talking about. Please don't come on the show, and if you want to come on the show and argue your points, call the show, because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Go ahead, Speedy. All right, so the Rams are third. I think they're pretenders. I think they've really dug themselves into cap hell. I think that GM, Les Snead, really has to go. He's re- they have a lot of p- players they lost in the offseason. He says Shepard still- and Slayton. Shepard is, is Shepherd, the slot guy. She- Shepard is a slot, so he can't yeah. be the number one, you idiot. And Slayton is not the number one guy. He was a rookie last year, so you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Slayton right now is a number three option on a team, you idiot. Go look at the depth chart, you dumb idiot. So yeah, so stupid. So the so yeah, dumb. Yeah, the Rams have gotten themselves into. A and lot. You're a giant fan. 
Oh, I forgot. No, you're a Saints He's fan. He's a Saints fan. <laughs> slash Giant fan. You don't know what the hell you're talking about, Tyler. So going back to the Rams, they've just uh, they have a lot of holes and they had no draft picks. I mean, they've made a lot of bad trades and really have Stupid dug ass. that team. The running game is very questionable. They have nice receivers. They have nice defensive linemen, but all the other units are a question mark. They have Jalen Ramsey, but a big drop off at the second corner. So I think they're still pretenders. I think they'll be last in this division. Uh, Seattle, normally they'd be contenders, but I don't know about for this year. I think this is a wacky year for them. You mentioned the crowd noise a lot. I think that's going to be a big factor that's going to drive them down. They're not going to have the same home crowd advantage. They're a wacky team. They'll win weird ways. They'll lose weird ways. I think they're more like an 8-8 eight team. Eight I think they'll be one of the first teams out, but I can't see them making it this year. So they'll still be like fringe team, but that's really it. And the 49ers are still good. They'll be a contender. I think they'll still win the division. I think they'll regress a little bit. I don't think that running attack will be as good as it was last year. And the defense, I think, will still be about the same. They have a lot of young talent and a lot of talent that played well when guys got hurt. So I think they'll definitely be a contender. I don't think they'll be a one seed, but I think they'll definitely be a contender. By the way, Tyler, you keep making fun of the Jets. I guarantee you the Jets have a better record than the Giants. You keep making fun of the Jets. I The Jets have a better future right now than the Giants do. The Jets have two first-round draft picks in the next two years. They have two second rounds and a third and two se- third rounds next year as well. What do the Giants have? Oh, I forgot. They, they decided to do what they did and trade away Odell Beckham and get nothing back for him. Good job, Giants. You don't know what the hell you're talking about, Tyler. So just keep talking over there. You don't even know your own Giants team. And don't tell me you're not a Giant fan because you are. And don't may- mention Lamar Jackson because you're an idiot to think that Lamar Jackson is anywhere close to Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is <laughs> terrible, okay? Terrible, all right? He's not even going to be in the NFL after next year, you dumbass. Anyways, Arizona Cardinals. I, I don't think they're a contender this year. I think they're a pretender. I, I think they're a good team. I think, I think adding uh, uh, Hopkins, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, is going to make them a better team. I, this is the best division. This is probably, if not the best division, the second best division in all of football. I think they're very talented from top to bottom. Now, Seattle, I, I, again, I think Arizona is a pretender just because I think Kyler Murray, the second year, I think he's a little wet behind the ears. I think he needs to get to know DeAndre Hopkins. I think he need, has to get to know the team. There's a lot of new pieces to this team. So it's going to take a little while for them to figure things out. I, I, I don't think they're a playoff team. I think they're a borderline playoff team at best. So I still think they're pretenders. Uh, the, LA, the Los Angeles Rams, I think they're a lot better than you think they are. I really do. Really? I think they're – because if, if they're not, McVay is going to be looking for another job, okay? Because if they don't make the playoffs again for back-to-back years, McVay is going to be looking for another job, especially losing in the, in the Super Bowl against the Belichick uh, Patriots where he completely got outplayed, outcoached, out everything. And he couldn't – with his offense and with all the stability of his offense last year, that year when, when it was one of the best offensive teams in the league, if not the best, and they couldn't do anything against the Patriots. Against a Patriot defense was uh, – so – um, I think the Rams are a lot better than people think. I think they're a borderline wild card team with the extra wild card spot. I think they could squeak in with the with Donald and, and and obviously Ramsey. I think this defense is a lot better than people think. I want to see what this offense could do. I don't like Jared Goff, we I, and we don't know where the running game is going to be because they just practically moved away from their top running back in Gurley, who went to Atlanta. So we don't know where this running game is going to go. So it, 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 there's a lot of question marks with this team. So we'll see. Um, Seattle, they are a pretender. I, I don't think this is a good team. I, I think their team is very, um, at best, uh, top-heavy, especially at front seven. The secondary is weak. Jamal Adams going over there is still a weak secondary. Uh, this defense is not as good as it used to be, especially as far as the pass rush is concerned. They didn't bring Jadamian Klein. They don't have Clark there anymore. They don't have any. I don't want to hear about Bobby Wagner because Bobby Wagner is not going to be blitzing every single part right. of the game. 
So they have no pass rush, which is a huge problem. And their offensive line stinks. And Russell Wilson, you say with the 12th man, there is no 12th man this year. So what are they going to do? There is no advantage to Seattle. I think it's going to be a big, huge step back for Seattle this year. And that, but guess where their next two first-round draft picks are going? Uh-huh. To the Jets. So it makes a lot of sense for why they made that move for Jamal Adams. Uh, and San Francisco 49ers, they're a contender. They're a good team. I'm questioning what their front seven is going to be this year, uh, giving away one of their front seven guys uh, in uh, Buckner. To, Buckner going to uh, to the Indianapolis Colts. Colts. And, and they added a, a defensive player in the first round, which made absolutely no sense. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the, the, the pick, but all in all, I think San Francisco is still a very good team. I don't trust Kyle Shanahan. I do not believe they're making the Super Bowl again this year. So, and I love Nick Bosa. I really do. I think he's a star in the making. If he can stay on the field, he's going to be scary, scary good. He's going to be one of the best defensive linemen we've seen in a very, very long time. And I think he's better than his brother, Joey. And that's saying a lot. So, uh, San Francisco, a contender. So, there's really, in my eyes, the L.A. Rams are a borderline contender. Cardinals are a borderline contender. Borderline. I would say they're pretenders. Both pretenders. And Seattle's a pretender. The only contender, real, real straight-up contender in this division is San Francisco. So you don't think there's any wild card teams that come out of this division? No, I, I just told you. The Cardinals and the Rams. Oh, the, Ram, the Rams. Okay. Borderline wild card. Yeah, because I have the Cardinals as my first wild card, and the Niners winning the division. So. Oh, and Tyler says the Jets will screw up their picks. Hey, Tyler. And, and that's it for our picks, by the way, today. I, I will say this, um, Tyler. You don't know nothing, okay? You know nothing. You talk out of outlandish thoughts that come out of your mouth every single day. And you want to know something? I want you to call this show. Not now, because we have a special guest coming on the show. But I would love for you to call the show tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Okay, we have a show at 10 o'clock tomorrow night, uh, below the mic. Uh, Don't call at 10 o'clock, because I have to do my entertainment and sports for the week. But call after that. Because I will burn the hell out of you on all the crap that you say. Over the last couple of years on the crap that you have said, I will nitpick every single thing that you say. And you keep telling me that Jets are going to screw it up. You don't know nothing, man. You don't know nothing. And when you call the show, I am going to embarrass you. So be ready for that. Because all the stuff that you said, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up on this show. And I want to hear what you're going to say about what I have said in the past that hasn't come to fruition. Because... I got news for you. There are more things that have come to fruition of what I've said more than what you have said. A lot more. So definitely call the show. Up next, we will be talking to Louise, uh, Louisville tight end recruit Vic Mullen here on Down to the Wire. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to Down to the Wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Six three one nine six five four nine nine zero. This is Down to the Wire. We are live every single Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Remember, you can download or go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Before we get with Vic on the show, I, I just want to say something to Tyler, if he's listening. But he's probably not listening because he's dope. Uh, you said something about Panarin and whatever you said. I thought that Panarin was going to go to the Islanders. What did Panarin do for the uh, for the Rangers in the playoffs? I want to know what I, Panarin had a great season. He's up for the Hart Trophy. What did Panarin do for the Rangers? Where the Rangers are all about winning Stanley Cups. What did Panarin do in the first round in the qualifiers? Did absolutely nothing. So Tyler, you could say whatever you want. You're an idiot. 
and you need to go back home and sit on the bowl and read yourself a newspaper. Sorry, Vic. As you guys know, we are now talking to uh, Louisville tight end recruit Vic Mullen. What's going on, Vic? How's it going? There he is. Vic, how are you and your family doing with this pandemic? We're doing good. We're just we're trying to stay safe and uh, trying to keep life moving like it was in the beginning. And, you know, we're doing all the necessary precautions to keep the virus out of the household. So we're all doing well. So what was it uh, of Louisville? I mean, I, I know there's a lot of players that have come out of Louisville. Uh, we, we've seen Lamar Jackson. We've seen some – we saw the – what's his name again? Makai Beckham coming back – coming from the Jet, you know, going to the Jets. What, what was it out of all the teams that were recruiting? What was it that really pushed you to go to Louisville? Well, when I, uh, you know, first went to campus there uh, last October for the Clemson game, it was, you know, it felt like a family atmosphere right away. And you kind of just felt like home to begin with the first time I stepped on campus. So, and, uh, you know, everything's nice there. The um, program's up and coming and, and they have a brand new coaching staff, which is going to be exciting to play for. So, yeah. Speaking of that coaching staff, what stood out to you about their head coach, Scott Satterfield, that made you choose Louisville over some of the other schools you were recruited by? Well, him coming from App State for 20 something years, you know, that shows that he, he really has faith in the program and, you know, him turning the program around and winning a bowl game after not even qualifying for one the year before is, uh, you know, really promising to see. We are talking to Louisville tight end recruit Vic Mullen. Now, the tight end position is very interesting because uh, you, you got to be big now. I mean, in the 80s, you, you could be six foot, six foot one and play tight end. Now you look at the NFL, the smallest tight end in a league is like six foot three. Most of you guys are six four or bigger now. Uh, and, and you can run, you can run uh, the 40 in like four, four six and four seven. So, what is the difference of the speed of the game from playing tight end in high school now moving to college? High school, you know, the competition's not the same, obviously. So, uh, in high school, I have the advantage for being big and, you know, faster than some kids and stronger than some kids and having the reach and everything. So, it's going to be different going from that into college and having to uh, kind of change my game a little bit or, you know, uh, try to be better than some of that better competition we got out there. So, it's going to be an awakening to kind of see what's going on there. So what are you most looking forward to with the culture of Louisville, the culture of Kentucky as a whole, both with football and with just the culture in general of the school, of the state, just of everything? Well, since Louisville's, you know, they're a huge city and they have no professional sports team, so everybody's uh, fans of the Cardinals. So we have a huge fan following there, which is nice. And, uh, you know, they do a kind of walk into the stadium on game day before the game starts and before they get dressed and everything. There's like 30,000 fans there cheering you on when you're off the bus. So all that stuff's going to be really neat to see and kind of just living in a nice city in America is going to be really cool. So I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading a little bit about you and it says that you're six foot six and you're 255 pounds. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a big man. You're a big, big man. Now, now, yeah. where do you get your size from? Is it your father? Is it your mom's size? Where, where, where do you get your size? No, it's my dad's size for sure. He was, uh, back in his heyday, he was 6'6", probably 235, 240. So he was a bigger guy. And I'm just much, you know, more, much more muscle and stuff, much bigger than he was. So 
it's a little different, but it's his side for sure. So what made you play the position tight end? Was it uh, were you a wide receiver in high, you know, early in your high school day or middle middle school day? Uh, did you play quarterback? Were you a defensive lineman? What made you decide or to play the tight end position? Well, it, back in back in my grade school and all that, I was always too big to touch the ball. Mm-hmm. It was like unfair or something like that. So <laughs> I was a, I was always a tackle. So, uh, but my dad played uh, tight end in college. So that's you know I gave that a shot in high school and it took off from there. So we've seen a lot of the tight ends get paid in the NFL now. Guys like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey getting big money. Do you think the con- that co- those kinds of contracts will be a ripple effect for tight ends? They probably won't get paid as high as wide receivers, especially what DeAndre Hopkins just got now, getting $27 million, most for a non-quarterback yeah. ever. But can you see it be something, being something like close where you could see $90 million, maybe even 100 in the future? I think the tight end you know, position in the NFL is, going to keep booming and because there's a lot of tight ends and tight end positions changing a little bit people are smaller and they're a little faster they're kind of more of a receiver type but there's always a need for the bigger guy in the nfl and at least one on a team so i think being that big wide tight end will be a big payout we are talking to louisville a tight end recruit vic mullen now vic when you look at the position of tight end, and we, we, we keep bringing this up because it, the transition of the game is, is, is crazy, uh, are, you a, are you an all-around good tight end? Are you a blocker plus a good offensive player out in the open field? Are, are you that type of player, or are you just an offensive player? Uh, well, you know, for my team, we run a lot of runs, and, you know, we, don't, we probably pass 25% of the time, so we don't pass a whole lot. So my main goal or my main, uh, you know, thing to do is is block. But when we need to pass, I can definitely go out there and, you know, run some routes and get some touchdowns. So that's what I mainly do at my school here. So, so a lot of the leagues now or levels of football now, they're – the tight end has become a very versatile position. You're lining up outside as a wide receiver a lot of the time. Sometimes they're lining up in the backfield and, and running or blocking or running routes like, like a running back would. So have you had any experiences with that so far with your high school coaching and or what your coaches have told you at Louisville so far teaching you those concepts? Yeah, um, you know, we, we have a couple formations and stuff for our lineup as a halfback in the backfield. And uh, I know Louisville does that several times a game where, uh, you know, they'll run the tight end up in the halfback position and, and run some routes out of that or make them pass block some. So it's going to be kind of familiar doing that. So that would be nice to do. Well, you, I'm watching while we're interviewing, I'm watching some of your uh, recruiting video. Man, man, some of the hits that you put on some of these guys, man. Uh, you're a big dude, man, and you, you push people around. And, and, and the one thing we've learned about Louisville over the last, I would say, the last eight or nine years, Teddy Bridgewater. And Lamar Jackson, and they loved, both of them loved to throw the ball, but also loved to run the ball. And they used the tight ends to block. If you could do what you're doing on this recruiting video uh, on the college stage, you would definitely be somebody that NFL teams would be very interested in bringing in in the draft. Because if you could do both, pass block and catch the ball inside and out of the field, uh, you can be a big, huge um a big, huge part of, of maybe an NFL team in the future. So I'm watching your video right now. It's pretty impressive what I've seen. So uh, you're a pretty strong dude. So here's my question. It, it, you, go, you, you go to Louisville, and Louisville tells you, listen, we need uh, – there was an offensive line. Uh, there was an offensive lineman that got hurt. 
and they need you to move to offensive line, guard, because you're two, you're six foot six, two hundred fifty five pounds. All you really need to do is gain maybe twenty five pounds of meat, and you could be an offensive lineman. Could you do that? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's come up before, and you know, discussions with the coaching staff, and and yeah, I've been recruited for a tight end, but if, if things change in college, like body composition or anything like that, and I do put on a lot of good weight, then, you know, offensive line is a, you know, there's an opportunity for me there. So they're open to either way, however it happens. But right now as a tight end is what I'm going for. And that's what I, that's what I'm hoping to stay as. Well, I, I will, I will mention somebody and he is an NFL player. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's almost on his way out. Uh, he played college football. When he came into college football, he was a tight end. Uh, by the end of his career, before he went into the NFL as a top uh, a top ten pick, he became a defensive lineman, and that's J.J. Watt. Okay, so mm-hmm. uh, there's you know for a person that's going into college and and it's expected to be a tight end, I absolutely watching you uh, and watching your recruiting video, you could absolutely be an offensive lineman. You're you're strong. Mm-hmm. You're mean. You could tell you're mean. Uh, and that's what an offensive lineman needs to be. You have to be mean. You have to be up, and you got to protect the quarterback. And it looks like you're you're you could absolutely do that. So uh, you could absolutely move positions. But um, what was it uh, out of all the teams that were recruiting you? And and I know Speedy asked you the same question, but it, there were tons and tons. Of, I'm looking at some of the recruiting list of teams that were looking at you. Uh, why was why was Louisville out of all those teams? Your number one choice, like the number one choice out of all the teams that I've seen that was recruiting you. I had, well, starting off, I, they were the first, you know, big time program to to contact me. And I started a great relationship with them since day one. And I visited the school three times. And, oh. uh, you know, I, I haven't, I visited Iowa State and uh, that might be it for bigger schools because COVID hit. But I was, I was supposed to go on all these visits and I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, you know, get. I wanted to get my commitment in there, so I I knew Louisville was a place for me. I was just taking those. I was going to take those visits to see if. Do you, you think know, that? Do you? I'm sorry. Did do you think that if you had the opportunity to go look at other schools, that Louisville might have not been your choice? No, no, definitely not. Louisville is definitely the place for me. Really. Oh, okay. uh, you know, I've, I've known that since I stepped there. All right. I just, because when you brought up, when you said that, uh, uh, you know, you never really got a chance to look at other campuses, maybe maybe that would have changed. But uh, you're saying no, so I, I believe you. I believe yeah, you, no. Vic. I believe you, Vic. <laughs> I'm on your side, Vic. Don't worry. I'm not yeah. trying to throw you under the bus here. So... <laughs> Obviously, you're you still got one more year left before you're going to to Louisville. But uh, the ACC coming out this year with the All Conference schedule, they've been criticized a lot in the past for playing a lot of weaker schedule. That's why, outside of Clemson, who has been dominant, one of the best teams, not the best team in college football the last five years, outside of them, they haven't really grown as a conference football wise. Much more of a basketball and baseball conference, and some other sports as well. Uh, can you see this kind of like All Conference year benefiting them? maybe to get another playoff team in there outside of Clemson and maybe just have them just as a program grow bowl game wise? Well, I think, you know, I think Louisville's in the, in the up and coming rise for, you know, how good their team's going to be with this new coaching staff. So I think this will help them because there's, there's a lot of good teams in the ACC, but there's also, you know, some, you know, they're okay. So I think being all conference will definitely help them out with the, getting the record good and, you know, making them get to the playoffs. So, 
We are talking to Louisville tight end recruit Vic Mullen. Now, is there a particular NFL player right now that's playing in the league that you compare your game to? Uh, right now, I think, you know, obviously Gronk is a big, big dude, and he's really big for the tight end spot. So I kind of just think of me as, you know, a smaller version of him. But, you know, because he can block, he can – Smaller version? You're bigger than Gronk. You're bigger than Gronk. You're a uh, bigger Gronk's man. 280. Gronk's big. No, Gronk's not 280, buddy. I don't I know do. if he is anymore. He lost no, a lot of weight no, in the no, offseason. No, 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 I, I, I actually, no. I actually met Gronk in Miami. He, he's – He's not 280. You're a lot bigger than he is. He's definitely lost at least 15 pounds yeah. since two years ago. You're a lot bigger than him. Yeah. Gronk's probably, uh, Gronk, I would say, is about 235, 240. He's six foot six. You're, you're, you're just as big as he is, maybe even bigger. Mm-hmm. And, and you're younger and more athletic. So uh, I, I understand what you're saying. And if you're anywhere close to what Gronkowski was when he came out of college, you're going to be a great player. And I think you're, uh, what I see of you and, and watching how mean you are on the field, uh, I wouldn't say Gronk is as mean as you. You're, you're mean, and you could be mean. I'm watching a video right now as we speak, right in front of my computer, your recruiting re- video, and I see you pushing people at the line of scrimmage. You're throwing people around. So uh, mm-hmm. you're a big man. Gronk is a good blocker, but he's, uh, he, he doesn't do it with, uh, with assertiveness like you do. So that's something that you can take to college football and kind of um, make it your own and, and turn yourself. Because that's what NFL uh, – We've in, I've interviewed NFL scouts, and a lot of NFL scouts look for – one of the particular things that they look for is not only speed and athletic ability. They look at what you can do on the field and how, how much uh, – what you bring to the table that is unique. And what I could say, what I've seen in your video is you're mean. And you're a nice guy on the, you know, you're a nice guy when you're talking to us, but I, I'm sure that when you get on the f- football field, you're a completely different person. Oh yeah, definitely. So definitely am. I could tell. I, I can absolutely tell. So I talked about it from the financial perspective, but from the value perspective and importance, can you see the tight end position, both in college football and the NFL, surpassing the wide receiver position in terms of importance? I think, I think wide receivers will. You know, always be important, but I also just think call them prima donnas. Tell the truth, they're prima donnas. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. But <laughs> the tight ends, you know, they can they can get me on the line. They can put some guys in the dirt, and then they can go catch a touchdown. So it's it's a unique position, and it's very versatile. So it's I think it's a really important spot on the field. As you guys know, we are talking to Louisville tight end recruit Vic Mullen. Now, Vic. Uh, I, I look at the game and the transition of the game from, from high school to college to the NFL. And the speed of the game completely transitions from one step to the other. It's like a level. There, you know, because in the NFL, there's no minor leagues. It's, it's the NFL or nothing, you know. So mm-hmm. when, when you look at the speed of the game and, and the transition of the game, not even from high school to college, but just the, the difference between the game and the athletic ability of some of these guys, because I'm talking about – we we were we're interviewing we interviewed a, a lineman uh, last week that was 365 pounds six foot eight and that can run mm-hmm. that can run a, a forty in four, he says in four eight four eight uh, a guy that's 365 pounds so the speed of the game the athletic ability some of you guys have are, is is absolutely unbelievable do you see the position as a tight end 
completely transition the game from from tight end to wide receiver as the tight end being the number one guy from the wide receiver? I think so, yeah. I I think, uh, you know, the tight end position is, is sort of transitioning into more of a wide receiver position, but I think they are, you know, just as important there too. All right, so who's the best tight end that you've ever seen watching football, and who do you think is the greatest tight end of all time? He already answered it, Gronkowski. No, no tight end of all time. He didn't answer that one. He, the best he's ever seen. All right. Gronkowski, he's going to say. The best I've ever seen is definitely Gronk. Uh, but, you know, I haven't – I don't know about all time. That's a tough one. I think Gronk's definitely up there. George Kittle's definitely up there. He's got some crazy highlights. How about, uh, how about uh, Tony Gonzalez? Yeah. Yeah. He's good, too. Yeah. There's a lot of great ones out there. Yeah. Two for the Chargers, too. Antonio Gates, Kellen Winslow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think the tight end position is becoming one of the most important offensive positions in football. As you can see, you just named Kittles, who has completely transitioned to San Francisco 49ers. Who would, have told, who would have thought that San Francisco's number one target would be a tight end? I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, yeah, how no, many? Yeah, how many? Even even with the Patriots, we, even with Gronkowski, he wasn't Tom Brady's number one target. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. So over the years, when, when Gronk was at the top of his game, it was Wes Welker. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then it was Edelman. Those were his top targets. It wasn't Gronkowski. And, and, and Aaron Hernandez was even a bigger target than Gronkowski, believe it or not. If you look at the numbers, he saw more of the balls than, um, than um, Gronkowski did. So... It's crazy when everybody tries to compare and, and says that Gronkowski is one of the greatest tight ends of all time. When Gronkowski wasn't even the number one, number two, and sometimes not even the number three target on the Patriots all those years at the top of his game. So uh, it, it's incredible. So this is what we do with all the recruits. We're going to ask you some silly questions. Are you ready? Sounds good. Yeah. Good. I'm sure you did your research on this. <laughs> I'm sure oh, yeah. Jillian probably uh, had you uh, looking at research. So uh, first question, boxers or briefs and why? Yeah, she did talk about this one, but I think definitely uh, briefs. You know, I like, you know, the more tight field and, and the loose. So, Do you have a girlfriend? No, I don't. Oh, I, boy. I, I, I don't want one right now. No, I know you don't want one. <laughs> I know I don't want one. You're going to Louisville. Why would you want one? <laughs> you're going you're gonna to take your pick over there, man. Six foot six, 250-pound athletic beast. I mean... You'll have your pick with the cheerleaders, man. You'll you'll have your little fun. So. Uh, second question: Your favorite snack to eat before a game? Oh, I always, you know, I like to do. Um, I'll drink some Pedialyte or mm. some pickle juice. Oh, and then I'll also sandwiches or something. You know, it's a little something to eat. Wow. Oh my god! Too much. Two pickle juice in one day. Jeez. Oh my. God. Oh yeah, dude. A lot of us, a lot of us drink that stuff. Pickle juice. We'll buy, we'll buy the whole jar and we'll put it down in the locker room before the game. Starts. One thing I will tell you, I will not get close to you on the field when you're sweating because that pickle juice would be coming out of your paws. <laughs> I would not want to smell your breath during the game, and I would not want to take a whiff of your farts if you're farting on the bench either. So I, I'd be very uh, objective where, where I'm sitting on the bench. Did you ever have a pickle, a pickle juice drinking contest with a teammate ever? Yeah, we have. We have. We, we, chugged, we chugged a jar in nice. the locker room after a game or before a game or whatever. So. And let me guess, you won. Yeah. Nice. 
<laughs> I figured. Um, blondes or brunettes, and why? Mm, I like. I'm thinking blonde, but mm. sometimes there's some good brunettes. Mm. You know, but I like the blondes. Too. Sometimes they're good brunettes. Sometimes. Goodbye, <laughs> <laughs> here, man. Hey, listen, man. Yeah, you got to write your own opinion. So I, I agree with you in, in some. Some ways than one, you know. Um, all right, last question. I'm going to give you five people, okay? I want mm-hmm. you to give me the order from from the top to bottom on who you would go out with first to last. Are you ready? Gotcha. All right. Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence, mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie, mm, Denzel Washington, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, I'd probably go Scarlett Johansson, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, Denzel Washington's a cool guy. <laughs> what uh, about Angelina Jolie? You're going to have Denzel. That's true. That's true. She'd probably be three. She'd probably be three. She'd probably be three. Uh, who's the other one? Halle Berry? Yeah. I'm taking Denzel over her. <laughs> oh man, Holly, man, you got Vic picking, picking Denzel over you. I mean, seriously. First of all, <laughs> I want you to know something. I grew up. I was infatuated with Halle Berry. Infatuated with her. Uh, I, I, and she still looks good, man. I, I, for a woman that's in her mid fifties, she looks really, really good. So. Uh, for you to pick Denzel Washington, you must really love his movies. <laughs> we watched a lot of them in my film class, you know. There you cool go. Well, listen, I met Denzel Washington a couple of years ago. One of the nicest people you ever meet. Uh, uh, not only a very giving person, but very honest and straightforward person. So um, mm-hmm. definitely somebody that you'll, if you ever have the opportunity to meet, uh, he's a guy that you – you definitely want to get into a conversation with because he's very straightforward and he gives you some good advice. So, uh, Vic, oh, yeah. thank you for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. First of all, I just want to let you know something. I, I want to get you back on uh, when the season starts. I know you're not playing until next year. So when the season starts, I would love to get you on and talk about a little Louisville uh, football, talk about your team, where you think the team is going. Uh, and maybe uh, maybe have one of your teammates come on with you and crack some jokes. You know, we would love to get you on the show and oh, have yeah, a little fun sure. with you. Um, but uh, I'm going to be a big fan. Like I said, I, I, we were just talking to Caleb. I'm a big fan of you, you guys. You're you're the up and coming next recruits, the next time, the next superstars, not only in college football but future in the NFL. I want you guys to succeed. Uh, I, and I've become very close with a lot of you recruits because I, I I'm not only loved our interviews, but actually become um, very um, – what could I say, Speedy? What's the best Acclimated? Word? Acclimating is good. Um, just really getting to know who you are as a person and, 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 and really get to know you as a background – at your background and, and who you are as a person. So um, tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Uh, on Instagram, it's Vic.Mullen. On Twitter, it's uh, Mullen Vic. So – Mullen, Vic. How, how could you forget that Mullen Vic or Vic Mullen? I you, mean, you only need to do we need to, we need a him and uh, him and Caleb on again at the same time in a pickle juice eating a drinking contest. That would be interesting. <laughs> that would be interesting because Caleb's a big man too. They're both six foot six. Caleb's two hundred pounds and you're two hundred and fifty pounds. So you're a little bit bigger than him, but uh, 
He looks yeah. he looks a little competitive. So uh, and he <laughs> and he, he speaks very highly of that pickle juice. But I would not want to sit next to both of you on the bench. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. But I, I really appreciate you joining us, Vic. Uh, I know it's a little. What time is it over there? It's you know ten, almost eleven, probably. So. Oh man, it's past your bedtime, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't want to get you in trouble no, from your parents, good. man. How old are you, you anyways? You're 17, right? Yeah, I just turned 17 in July. Oh my so. god, mm. man! Oh my god! I'm young. I could actually be in the class of 22. You're a baby, man. You're you're 17 years old. You're six foot six, 250 pounds, dude. You're you're gonna be a big man. You're gonna be a big <laughs> man. Holy crap! Anyways, um, I, I'd love to get you back on uh, in the near future uh, to talk a little bit of football with you and see where you're going. I do believe with your size and your ability and your meanness uh, on the field, I do believe that you could be an NFL con- uh, contention. You could be an NFL uh, prospect. I really do. I, I think watching your video and watching what you could do on the field, you could do a lot of things that other tight ends can't do. So, um, mm-hmm. And that's something that uh, Louisville will probably try to get out of you, and I think – a lot of scouts are going to look at uh, and look towards you in the future because there are not a lot of tight ends that could block and and catch the ball in the field. They're, they're either one, they're either good at one thing or good at the other. You're good at both. So, yep. I'm looking forward to watching you, my friend. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. You. Vic Mullen, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Louisville tight end, Louisville tight end recruit. By the way, guys, I am. I just want to let everybody know. I have been working since 7 o'clock in the morning. 7 o'clock. Eight-hour day at the hospital, then doing phone calls for our network, then going to an EMT class, and then doing a live radio show with this guy who's giggling and laughing the whole show when he's been sitting on his ass all day. So that's that's. you see that? You see that, Vic? You see what I deal with, Vic? Guys like this. And I love Speedy. He puts a lot of time in. But boy, oh boy, he doesn't know what hard work is until he actually lives in my footsteps. So, no, I never, I never compared myself. But you like to giggle, okay? I do and like I, to giggle. You do like to giggle, and I'm, you know, as as crazy as I may sound, some sometimes on our show, I still come on the show. I still do our show, no matter how tired I am. So that you, shows you how you hide big, it well. <laughs> I do. I'm a very, I'm tired, man. I'm yeah, I know. Tired. I'm tired, but. Nevertheless, I'm happy to be here. We had two very good guests. We have uh, we had uh, Cincinnati football outside linebacker recruit Caleb Schmitz on the show, and then we just had Vic, uh, Louisville tight end recruit Vic Mullen, who nice kid, really, really mm-hmm. is nice. Uh, the kid's gonna be big, man. Seventeen, just turned yeah. seventeen in July. Wow, and he's six six two fifty five already. Two fifty five already. <laughs> I wonder what his parents feed him at night. <laughs> Seriously. I, yeah. I mean, what does he eat? I mean, what does he eat? Like a bison or something? I mean, whatever I, I he does, he washes it down with the pickle juice. <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I will say this again. I will not be hanging out with Vic or Caleb on anywhere close to the bench doing any interviews if they're, if they're really drinking pickle juice. Okay. Cause, uh, that can blow you out of the park. And by the way, I have a friend that loves pickles. And he told me a story that he had a pickle. He, he was in a pickle eating contest at a burger shop about a year ago. Huh. And after the pickle, he won the pickle eating contest. He went to, he, he could, first of all, it made him constipated. He couldn't go to the bathroom for three days. And then when he did, uh, he couldn't stop going. So wow. Vic, 
Be careful, buddy. Be careful, my friend. I've never because, heard anything like that before. Yes. Wow. He became constipated from eating pickles. So they Wow, go. that's something. Well, just think about it. He had like 150 pickles. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine, Vic, could you imagine eating 150 pickles? Come on. Come on, Vic. I, I know. No, he's shaking his head. No way. I'm, I still see you, Vic. I know. 160 pickles he ate. In that pickle-eating contest. And I'm not talking about the small pickles. I'm talking about the big pickles. The big ones. Mm -hmm. So, there you go. And he told me he was constipated for almost three days before he went to the bathroom. And I I don't want to know what it smelt like after that. So, (laughs) Anyways, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to give a shout-out to Vic Mullen and Caleb Schmidt. Both of them, great kids. I'm going to be – I'm not only a big fan of both of them – I'm going to be watching them very, very closely moving forward uh, in their college careers. And, and I believe both of them could be NFL contending, contending prospects. So I think both of them are good kids. Both of them are funny. Mm-hmm. And both of them have different personalities. Vic is more, uh, more funny, more um, straightforward with you. And, and Kayla was more like cool, collective, more like a, a captain of a team, just relaxed mm-hmm. and, and pretty much – Straightforward with you, so but he very funny too. I mean, Caleb was very funny too. So, but both of them nice kids. I really do like them both. I like all the recruits that we've interviewed over the last couple of months. Uh, good kids, by the way. Shout out to Jillian and Ricky uh, for getting these recruits on and 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 definitely giving us a, a good uh, thought on what these kids are going to be in the future. So. Um, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back tomorrow night at 10 p.m. for Below the Mic. Uh, who do we have on tomorrow? Tomorrow we have a, a quarterback recruit for Tulane, Billy Wiles. That's at 10:30. That's all that I know of so far. We'll see if there's a second Billy. One. What is his name? Wiles. Wiles. Is he related to Bodie Wild? No, Wiles. I know it was a joke, Speedy. You're an idiot. Seriously, Speedy. Sometimes I wonder if you're just out there in, you know, in the sky. Maybe he's on. If I was out there there in the sky, I wouldn't. They say women are from Venus and men are from Mars. You're like from Pluto, man. So I'm from a planet that doesn't exist. Well, Pluto Pluto doesn't exist. It was declassified as a planet when I was younger. It's still a planet. In my eyes, Pluto is still a planet. All right. So I live on a freezing cold planet where I'm going to die in a day if I was there. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're being immune to it. I doubt it. Well, I'm immune to you, and that's crazy to say because I'm dealing with you for three years, and that <laughs> that laugh is just deadly by itself, Speedy. It really is. Sure, we'll go with that. Yes, we will go with that. Anyways, uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 10 p.m. for Below the Mic. Definitely stay tuned for that. We have a great show lined up for you guys. We will get into the NFC South and NFC North on our thoughts of uh, contenders or pretenders. Shout out to Eric Coleman, ex-NFL player. Our show, The Weekend Crunch over the weekend, was a big hit. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, uh, a lot of fans after the Islander game uh, on 103.9 on FM dial loved our show, told me some great things about our show. So Eric and, and our sh- Eric and me and our show, The Weekend Crunch, has been uh, a big hit on the FM dial here on Long Island. Uh, again, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy Petey saying good night, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.